Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Uh, before we jump into our teaching, do want to mention this wonderful resource called the YouVersion Bible app, absolutely free. If you get it downloaded on your phone or device, you can search under events, Arlington FM Church, and there you will find a complete set of notes for this message. Likewise, when you're in your favorite podcast player, search for Arlington FM, and there you will find all of our teaching content. Uh, well, I do want to wish uh, all of you moms out there a happy Mother's Day weekend, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this message. It's kind of tailored with you in mind. Uh, the teaching series we're in is called The Happiness Project. And it's all about, uh, you know, learning to find that place where our joy is overflowing. And, uh, you know, some people uh, think about pursuing happiness as kind of frivolous. You know, like, why are we dealing with something so uh, surface level? Uh, but I want to remind you uh, of what Jesus said. Uh, the reason I've come, he says, is that you may have life to the full. And uh, he's expressing uh, his mission, his intention is that we would experience life and it wouldn't be lacking. It would literally be uh, overflowing. He said in John 15, 11, a similar thought, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And I happen to believe that what Jesus taught and what the early church uh, believed is that uh, when we are happy and joyful, God gets the credit. In fact, Jesus said, uh, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. Well, uh, what we've determined in looking through this series is that um, uh, happiness can be an elusive target. In fact, we can set our sights on the wrong thing. And a great example of this is a guy named Solomon in the Old Testament. He had every uh, resource known to humankind. He had wealth prerogative, power, influence, and uh, he, didn't, uh, he didn't pull any punches in his pursuit of happiness. In fact, he writes these words, uh, I denied myself nothing that my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. And you got to realize Solomon was not speaking in hyperbole. He was speaking the truth. He denied himself no pleasure. He built incredible estates, uh, palaces. He had uh, wine, women, and influence. And at the end of his pursuit, he made this assessment of his own happiness. He said, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. You know, some people uh, will ask the question, does God even care if people are happy? Does he care that I'm happy? Well, I would say absolutely he does. But here's the truth about the pursuit of happiness. You have to be uh, intentional about pursuing it in the right way. In fact, Jesus said this about the nature of his kingdom. Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven, it's like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold everything that he had so that he could buy that land. Uh, what's Jesus saying is that the, the kingdom of heaven, it, it's elusive. You have to search for it. But when you find it, there is great joy and intentionality there. You know, uh, uh, Jesus said this about life. 
He said, it's like, it's like a narrow way. There's a broad way that leads to destruction. That's easy to find, but there's a narrow way that leads to real joy and real lasting happiness, and that uh, it can be elusive and hard to find. You know, the Beatitudes, if you ever heard of that uh, section of the Bible, it's the beginning of the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins uh, with a series of statements, and he uses the word blessed, which is really a biblical way of saying God-authored happiness. And he talks about the kinds of people who are blessed or the kinds of people who find real happiness. And if you read through those uh, Beatitudes, you realize it's not uh, what we would think would lend itself towards happiness. He says, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, uh, people who are at the end of the rope, people who realize how desperately they need God's influence and intervention Jesus said those people are happy because ultimately they are the ones who experience God's power and God's kingdom at work in their lives. He said, blessed are those who mourn. That doesn't sound like happiness. But Jesus said the truth is the people who grieve over their own condition of heart, over the condition of suffering in the world, the people who are real experience God coming near to them and comforting them. Uh, Jesus adds, blessed are the meek. You know, this is uh, the biblical definition of meekness is strength under harness. Uh, these people have learned uh, to kind of uh, get a hold of their inner world and uh, direct it towards their devotion to God. Uh, Jesus said, blessed, happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. They don't feel the need to uh, control and manipulate and dominate others in order to acquire what they're after in life, they allow that to be God's prerogative. Uh, Jesus adds to this series of, of happy people or blessed people are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Uh, what's he saying? Uh, happy people are those who develop this inner appetite, this yearning to align their lives with God. They realize it's a journey, it's a growing process, but ultimately Jesus said those are the people who experience happiness. He adds, blessed are the merciful, happy are those who extend mercy to others because they realize how much mercy God has extended to them. Uh, he adds yet again, uh, how happy are those who are pure in heart for they will see God. You might hear that and say, well, that disqualifies me. Well, here's the truth. That disqualifies all of us. And that purity of heart is really that openness, that willingness to uh, take the log out of our own eye and let God examine us day in and day out and show us the things that are standing between us and God. Uh, Jesus adds, happy are the peacemakers, uh, for they will be called children of God. Uh, happy are those who help others resolve their conflicts rather than become a source of division. And finally, Jesus says, happy are those who experience hardship or who are persecuted because of wanting to live rightly. And he goes on to say, yeah, you're blessed, you're happy when people insult you because you've determined you're going to live rightly before God. Well, as you can see, that's a different pathway to happiness than you might uh, do a survey of 100 Americans 
and say, what do you do to find happiness? It probably wouldn't look like that, uh, but that's that narrow way Jesus spoke of. You know, we're looking at uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians as kind of a template of what it uh, means to pursue happiness in the way that Jesus taught. And uh, in this letter that the Apostle Paul writes to his friends, he uses the word joy and rejoice 16 times, or an average of four times each chapter. And uh, here's the thing about the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's not speaking about joy and happiness as someone who had an easy, chill-out life. In fact, uh, in another section, one of Paul's letters to his friends in Corinth, uh, listen to this list of challenges that he went through uh, as a follower and a servant of Jesus Christ. He said, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been uh, exposed to death again and again. Five times I experienced from the Jews, 40 lashes minus one. Apparently they beat him to within an inch of his life. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night uh, and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. Uh, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. You know, Paul knew what it was like uh, to live with the anticipation of some bad things coming his way. He said, I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all of the churches. So uh, all that to say, when Paul writes about real joy and real happiness, he's writing as one who's learned how to find it in the uh, complexities of life. And uh, so we're going to dig in uh, to what Paul has to say in chapter 2 of his letter. But uh, first, a quick review of Philippians chapter 1. And uh, in this chapter, uh, Paul agrees with uh, people who study what makes others happy, with sociologists, psychologists, uh, and theologians. Uh, Paul's words ring true with all those disciplines as they observe what it is that brings this elusive quality of happiness. And we saw last week, uh, happy people have a purpose or a mission to live for that is bigger than themselves. And as Paul writes to his friends in Philippi, he says, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You know, when we partner in the gospel, uh, really what we're doing is we're helping make making God known to others the way God has made himself known to us through Jesus Christ, the, the love we experience, the mercy we uh, receive, the forgiveness, uh, the destiny, the sense of hope, uh, basically sharing in the gospel is communicating that to others. And Paul says of all the missions and the purposes, and you know, uh, just about any mission or purpose will help you live happier. It can be so simple, something is trying to beautify your neighborhood for the sake of your neighbor's well-being. It can be the way you approach your, your job. Uh, it can be uh, working to save the environment. Whatever the mission or purpose, we tend to live happier when we have one that's bigger than living uh, for our own pleasure. 
But of all those, far and away, the one mission, the one purpose that brings the greatest joy and happiness to our lives is making God known to others. And once we encounter Jesus, uh, that becomes our highest calling. It becomes something, the air we breathe. In fact, Jesus said, it can become the food that we eat. He said in John chapter 4, after showing the life of God to this, this uh, woman who'd been through more than her share of disappointment, uh, Jesus said, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So he entrusts that mission to us. We saw last week, uh, secondly, that happy people have a generally optimistic and positive view of their story, their personal narrative. They, they like the story of their lives. And uh, we saw that the Apostle Paul declared that about his own life. In spite of all of his hardships, as he writes to his friends, he says, look, I eagerly expect and I hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be lifted up in me and my circumstance and in my interactions with people, Christ will be made known through my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, uh, you know, uh, we alone get to decide if our story is going to be a good one. It's going to be a positive one. If we anticipate a good ending or if our, one is, uh, our story is only one of tragedy and heartache and sorrow and uh we saw, thirdly, that the Apostle Paul uh, learned this important key about happiness, about how we serve and walk with God. He said that happy people uh, see their sufferings as purposeful and meaningful. And uh, the words he wrote to his friends in Philippi that come to us is he said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, you can include all of his difficulties, but particularly he's talking about his current imprisonment. I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually served to further the gospel. The more people are encountering the love, the forgiveness, the mercy, the presence of God through the person of Jesus Christ because of his own hardships. And, uh, you know, uh, finally, we saw this uh, from Philippians 1, this observation that happy people see themselves as lifelong learners. Uh, that the process never comes to an end till we take our last breath. We're constantly being retooled and uh, refashioned, redeemed, remade into the image, the likeness, the wholeness, and the maturity of Christ. And we saw Paul's incredible prayer that uh, their love would grow more and more. So uh, again, just by way of quick rehearsal, in chapter 1 of Philippians, Paul says, uh, uh, real happiness is found in having a, bit, uh, a purpose bigger than myself, in uh, an optimistic view of my story, of um, learning to find meaning in my suffering, and finally becoming a lifelong learner. Well, now we turn uh, to Philippians chapter 2, where Paul's template, his roadmap, his a treasure map into finding real happiness kind of takes an interesting twist. And I would set it up like this. Uh, Paul's friends that he's writing to, they were maturing in some wrong ways. Uh, their growth uh, in spirituality, uh, the time they logged as uh, believers in Christ, was beginning to produce uh, some division among them. 
some haughtiness, a sense of pride that maybe they were a little bit better than others and perhaps better than the other worshipers that they fellowshiped with. And so there was division in this wonderful church in Philippi. And Paul, he has some weird happiness advice for them. You could sum up his thoughts like this. He's encouraging them to choose the bottom rung when they could go higher. He invites them to stand or go to the back of the line rather than push to get at the front. He encourages them to think about others first rather than themselves. He admonishes them to be okay with being last. And here is how Paul kind of begins pushing his friends towards a a pathway that will result in genuine happiness and not the kind that we accumulate when we fight for everything that we can take to ourselves. Uh, Here's how Paul uh, begins to uh, shape a different mindset in them. He says, look, uh, think about this. If you have any encouragement in Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in his spirit, If your relationship with God through Christ has produced any tenderness and compassion, you know what Paul is saying here? He's encouraging them, check your spiritual pulse. Are you alive at all? Uh, Has your faith in God made any difference at all in the way that you live? Has the love of Jesus changed you in any way? And has it produced in you a desire to please God? and to honor Christ. And uh, then he's saying, well, then uh, listen to what I have to say to you. And uh, here's what, uh, if there's any pulse there at all, any desire to walk with God and achieve his will, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Uh, He's inviting them Uh, to get beyond division, uh, to get beyond the conflicts they were experiencing, and to get back to that oneness of unity and purpose that uh, those of us who are alive in Christ have one real mission, uh, to join Jesus in making the goodness, the gospel, uh, the good news about what God has done in Christ uh, known to others. He says then the following, do nothing out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, uh, choose to value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking out for the interests of others. Uh, And now he gets in in our grill a little bit. He says, look, in your relationships with one another, you should have the same mindset that Christ Jesus had. And then maybe you're asking, well, What mindset did Jesus have in the way that he related to people? And now Paul uh, describes that by using uh, really one of the first hymns that we have about the truth of Jesus Christ that the early church would sing. And uh, he inserts that hymn. Here's how it uh, sings or reads. Uh, Here's the mindset of Christ Jesus. Although he was in the very nature of God, He didn't consider equality with God uh, something to be used for his own advantage. There's a novel thought. He didn't see his spirituality as meant to feather his own nest, make his own household healthy, wealthy, and wise. Uh, He saw 
his uh, equality, his position with God as something to be uh, used for others. Uh, Paul uh, quotes this hymn. He says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being found in human likeness in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. In other words, Jesus took this incredible relationship he had with God, the creator, and he emptied himself for one reason, so that he could help others experience God. He gave everything within his means, and Paul is appealing to that. He's saying, look, if you've discovered any life in Jesus at all, if there's any tenderness in your heart, any desire to please God, then make my joy complete by being this way in your relationships with others. And uh, you might think, wow, that's a big pill to swallow. It is, uh, but the consequences are incalculable. The riches that come into our lives, if we'll trust God enough to follow the pathway that Jesus set for us. In fact, here is how God responded uh, to the emptying, the sacrifice, the servant nature of Jesus. Uh, the hymn goes on, it says, therefore, because Jesus acted this way towards people, God exalted him to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, uh, here's the key. Uh, here's Paul's uh, weird advice on becoming truly happy. Uh, learn to see yourself as everyone's servant. Uh, place yourself uh, below others. Uh, place others in their interests above your own. And uh, we have an incredible example to follow. Uh, the Savior of our souls who emptied himself completely for one reason, uh, to help others experience the love and mercy and forgiveness of God. I love how Jesus consolidates these truths and these two statements. He says very plainly, whoever wants to save their life, there's pursuing happiness by our own means and efforts. Whoever wants to save their lives will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel We'll find it. We'll save it. Uh, see, that's, that's not ending up like Solomon, where we refuse our heart, no desire, and take in anything we want and need. Instead, we give ourselves as Jesus gave himself for us. And finally, uh, Jesus himself again said, whoever uh, wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many others. Uh, would you join me in a prayer? Uh, Father, thank you. You do desire our happiness, our joy, but obviously there's a different pathway. Uh, there's a, a, a road map, a treasure map that you've made known to us that's, uh, it's not as the world would pursue happiness. It's a uh, it's a sure way, it's a narrow way, but it's a trustworthy way. We want to thank you for this invitation to know joy, that our joy would be made full. Maybe you're hearing this message and you're thinking, I could use some joy like that. Maybe you've never welcomed 
uh, Jesus uh, into your heart and allowed him to become the leader, the Lord of your life. You can do that uh, right now, wherever you're at, in response to his truth. Uh, simply say, Jesus, I realize I need you. I need uh, that emptying that you did for others. I need that to be applied to my life. I want to open up to your forgiveness. Uh, teach me how to follow you. Teach me how to find that elusive treasure known as the kingdom of God. To bring that joy into my life, I pray in your wonderful name. Amen.